0: This is 99 max Hedrum. Hello? Anybody home? Hey! me gently with the chainsaw. Do mother Teresa? Our generation may not remember the moon landing, but we remember moon boots. If you owe a few cavities to candy cigarettes, learned your adverbs from schoolhouse rocks, burned your shins on a hot metal slide with sharp edges, exploding pop rocks for science, and you still want your MTV, then this podcast is for you. Dancing with Myself is dedicated to the decade of excess, the 1980s. So pull up your leg warmers and let's get physical. Hi, welcome to episode five of Dancing with Myself. I'm Heather and I am 80s obsessed if you can't tell. Exercise became a national obsession in the 1980s. Health clubs, the domain of sweaty weightlifters, and avid basketball players now attracted wealthy executives and professionals of both sexes, all striving to attain the perfect body. Fitness is another way of signaling to people that you are serious, said a 24-year-old banker named Joseph Barron. Clubs offered nautilus rooms, aerobic exercise classes, racquetball courts, and added enticements like saunas, tanning beds, and massages. Memberships in glitzy establishments could cost up to $2,000 a year. Joggers and cyclists coursed down streets and through parks in pursuit of fitness. In living rooms and dens, Raquel Welch, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and other celebrities led sweaty viewers in videotaped workouts, promised them glamorous, muscular bodies, while Richard Simmons cried, "'Tuck in those tushes, girls!' The undisputed queen of the exercise video was Jane Fonda, who released her first workout video on April 24th of 1982 and trailed only Nancy Reagan and Sandra Day O'Connor among the most influential women in America, according to the 1984 World Almanac. Workout attire was important. Sexy spandex leotards, bodysuits, and tank tops replaced gym shorts and t-shirts. Leg warmers and workout sneakers were essential accessories. Catalogs offered a whole line of exercise garb for the discriminating devotee, and sales of activewear skyrocketed. Another facet of the fitness craze was a growing interest in holistic health and wellness became the buzzword of its proponents. The concept began with stress reduction, proper nutrition, and emotional balance, but health spas also offered programs on relaxation, time management, diet, and improving personal relationships, as well as herbal wraps, mud baths, aromatherapy, massage, and other trendy natural treatments. Most spa-goers loved the pampering, although some might complain that if they were on a diet, they might want to devour the raspberry shower gel. Starting in September of 1982, fear spread across Chicago and then the nation after cyanide-laced Tylenol capsules killed a 12-year-old girl. The child died two hours after taking the poisoned painkiller. Later the same day, postal worker Adam Janice died after taking the same product in another suburb across town. Janice's brother and his brother's wife also died after taking Tylenol in an attempt to soothe headaches caused by the stress of their brother dying. After investigators tested the capsules and found cyanide, it was concluded that tampering was involved, and a panicked Chicago rushed to remove every bottle of Tylenol from store shelves across the city. Chicago police even roamed the streets using loudspeakers to warn residents about the danger of taking Tylenol. Nationwide paranoia followed, and Tylenol spent millions of dollars recalling their product. In all, seven people died, and 270 copycat tampering incidents occurred across the country. Many communities banned trick-or-treating in their neighborhood for fear of poisoning. No one was ever arrested or charged with a crime. Packaging safety was greatly improved after the incident to include tamper-evident seals. A strong contender for the funniest movie of all time, as long as your tastes run to the seriously silly, Airplane packs 223 gags into 84 minutes. That's more than 2.6 jokes per minute, including sight gags and that post-credit sting... I'll give him another 10 minutes, and it is a rare moviegoer who doesn't laugh at something. The three directors, Jerry Zucker, Jim Abrahams, and David Zucker, screen-tested their movie to within an inch of its life, touring college campuses and ruthlessly cutting anything that didn't get a big laugh. The result is a potent mix of smart and wacky jokes wrapped around an unlikely disaster movie framework. The plot and even some of its dialogue were lifted wholesale from 1957's Zero Hour to the extent that the ZAZ team, as we'll call them, bought the rights to remake that film when they began work on their own. They thought that Zero Hour had an ideal structure, and although they'd written a lot of sketch comedy, as shown in their previous effort as writers, The Kentucky Fried Movie... They were nervous about structuring an entire film from scratch. Even some of the names are the same. Our hero, Ted Stryker, Stryker in the original, played by Robert Hayes, is a veteran pilot who has been left traumatized by the loss of his men during a covert war mission. But when, on a flight to reconnect with the estranged love of his life, the pilot and co-pilot become ill, Ted is the only one who can land the plane and save the passengers. Perhaps Abrahams and the Zuckers didn't need to worry so much about structure because it's not as if any of the story really matters. Airplane's Effects is all about the glorious non-sequiturs, ridiculous wordplay, and unlikely casting. It's about serious people facing sky-high stakes, only to respond by straight-facedly doing ludicrous things. The stroke of genius that made it possible was the decision by Abrams and the Zuckers to cast serious actors instead of comedians, so that the film looks and feels just like the disaster movies that inspired it, right up until... It goes off the rails. Robert Stack, Peter Graves, Leslie Nielsen, and Lloyd Bridges were established mid-level Hollywood stars of respectable pedigree. And the directors encouraged them to keep their faces straight and their reactions tightly controlled. The results were far funnier than they could have been in the hands of long-term comedians. Two of the standout stars, Nielsen and Bridges, would find a whole new career path as a result of their work here, going on to star in the likes of The Naked Gun, Police Squad, and Hot Shots. Roger Ebert dubbed Nielsen the Lawrence Olivier of spoofs. And the former star of The Forbidden Planet and The Poseidon Adventure finished the last three decades of his career as a comedy star. Not too shabby for a low-budget movie from first-time directors. However, it's the jokes that are the real star here. There are the repeated groaners that somehow get funnier with repetition. The cockpit, what is it? Well, it's a little room at the front of the plane, and the elaborate recreations of well of movies like Saturday Night Fever and Airport 1975. There are the carefully planned one-liners. Give me ham on five. Hold the mayo. And the moments of bad taste shock humor. Joey, do we? Even like movies about gladiators, even the throwaway gags are golden. Listen to the way that Stryker delivers the line, That's when I developed my drinking problem before tossing water over his shoulder when he attempts to knock back a glass. Keep an eye on the little girl whose IV tube is dislodged by the singing nun, and marvel marvel at the way that Barbara June Cleaver Billingsley shows up as a sweet white-haired old lady who can speak jive. Jive Jive-ass dude don't get no brains anyhow. Ethel Merman plays a traumatic soldier convinced he's Ethel Merman. Basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar plays co-pilot Roger Murdoch. Roger, Roger, what's our Victor, Victor? But somehow also himself, because why not? By any logical, reasonable standard, Airplane should be a mess, but logic and reason have no place here. This is a movie that has been carefully engineered to keep you watching and make you laugh a lot, and nothing else. As such, it's an elegant beast, a comedy powerful enough to launch a whole subgenre, the spoof, which went on to further glory with a top-secret film, Police Squad, and the rest before the scary movie series killed it, no pun intended, and one that continues to provoke helpless giggles. Surely no one can resist it. Just don't call it surely. Thank you for checking out episode five of Dancing With Myself. I'm Heather. I'm 80s obsessed and we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode.